We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And it is a less irritated Laker Film Room Podcast than last time you heard from us. Lakers go out to Detroit and uh, handle business against a really bad Detroit Pistons team. But, Mike, these games can go a couple of different ways. I, I didn't think the Lakers had much of a chance to lose that game last night, but... As you know, a lot of those can go in a, you know, stays kind of close for three quarters. You play down to the level of your competition and then pull away at the end. That wasn't that type of game. I thought the Lakers came out with an appropriate response to their previous game. Anthony Davis was tremendous on the inside. D'Angelo Russell had just an incredible night. In the NFL, quarterbacks can get a perfect passer rating. I think it's like 158.3 or something like that. And if there was something like like that for basketball, D'Angelo Russell, I think, would have gotten that yesterday, uh, 35 and 9. And so despite a bad opponent. I didn't think the Lakers played down to them, Mike. And so haven't heard from you in a couple of games. You weren't here for the Philly pod. And so curious, your thoughts, not just on this Detroit game, but just kind of the state of the road trip uh, with one game left. Yeah. That's why your mood is up, Pete, right? Because you get to see me back on the screen. That's right. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I feel complete. I feel whole. <laughs> I, I I thought that the displeasure scale was going to come out um, last game uh, after not just how the game went. Uh, the, of course, the previous game to Detroit, the Philly game. And I but I didn't think you guys were like too angsty. Uh, I thought that, you know, you were just trying to you're trying to figure things out okay, about what's going on. And and that's what you're always trying to do. That's what we're trying to do on the pot. Um, so the Detroit game, I agree that they the Lakers did a good job of, of just kind of playing their own game. And I think part of that was because of the way that the Philly game ended. Mm-hmm. And, and so when when the team is on these trips like this. It's a lot easier sometimes in my position, like being with the team to anticipate like the energy that's going to come into a certain game. You're really and, good at that. Yes. Well, it's and that's not that's not me personally. I think almost anybody that that's traveling like that's been traveling for a while. And like I think that, um, you know, just listening to the way that Michael and Stu talk in my first couple of years on the bus and just getting the sense of how how players are feeling. But 
the Detroit game is is a little bit difficult to parse because on the one hand, I thought that the Pistons were going to come out with just this kind of super hyper uh, youthful energy. And they're kind of a broken youthful team right now, which is what yeah. we saw early. Like they're I think that they've tried that before. And, and when the Lakers come into town and when LeBron comes into town, though, there still is usually some some additional benefit. But they are just they're so crushed by having three of their four vets um, have been out for basically the whole year that it's just it's just they're they're not at the Mendoza line, like for what they're going to be able to um to reach so and i thought that you mentioned d'lo he plays at a certain pace that is very consistent and in in the case of detroit not really being on it like d'lo was able to just completely dominate in that sense because like they're they were just not forcing him to go up to any type of level that some teams I think the best example is probably like Dever. The, the pace that that game, that series was played at last year um, was not one that D'Lo was, was sort of like taking his game up to. But if you don't meet D'Lo at a certain pace, like he can, he can, and he can get to all of his skill stuff. Uh, you, and, and once he gets the first couple of shots to fall Darius, it is just so easy. It seems like for him to get and make whatever shots that he wants and make whatever reads he wants. Cause it wasn't just the scoring. No, he also had nine assists uh, to lead the Lakers out of their 27 on top of the 35 on 13 of 17. Like that's a big man line. That's a that's an Anthony Davis against a small front court type of a mm-hmm. shooting line. So I thought that was a, a part of it. And I'm I'm give, I'm kind of demeriting Detroit some for it. But still, like it's it's good. The Lakers did the job that they needed to do coming off of a rough film session in Philly. I think a day before the Lakers game, Monty Williams had talked about like the there were quotes coming out of Pistons practice like, yeah, oh, we had like, one of our them, best yeah. practices of the year. Guys were diving all over the ground. And I was actually talking to uh, my wife before she went out of town. Like, oh, I've kind of got this Pistons game circled as like, I'm wondering what's going to happen, really. Like I said, Detroit stinks, but every time a team stinks, they always get to a breaking point where they just decide we're an NBA team, no more. And I said, they get to a point where it's going to be game seven of the NBA finals for Mm -hmm. them, even though it's some random Wednesday in November. And a team just decides like, we're not having it anymore. And the idea Pete, of like, we had a really spirited practice was like sort of this harbinger to me of just like, oh, it sounds like these guys are starting to get sick of it a little bit. And then Detroit came out and they hit a three and then it's then they got another easy bucket inside Mm -hmm. and the Lakers looked a little casual. The process seemed fine for a couple of their shots, but I was just like, oh, is this what it's going to be? Yeah, it's like the first 90 seconds were down like five nothing. I was wondering that too. I was like, hmm, because I was wondering coming off the Philly loss, that can go either way too. Totally. So there were just a lot of ingredients where I was wondering, how is this going to go? And it turned out that whatever sort of spirit I thought Detroit was going going to have, they did not have that. And the Lakers pretty summarily took that from them by the middle of the first quarter. The game wasn't over, but the Lakers had established themselves as like, we're going to be serious this game to a certain extent. And Detroit, um, for all of their like athletes and like, I love some of their players. Like I really like Jalen Duran. I really like Asar Thompson. Yeah. Thompson. Um, I really like him. Yeah. 
I'm still a believer in Cade. Like Cade hit a couple of shots last game where I was just like, oh, this is what you can do. But he seems to have no infrastructure around him. And Ivy is a guy that is a real like live wire too as as a guard. And so I thought that their athleticism might shine through a little bit more. But Anthony Davis shut that off in the paint and the guards seem to not be able to speed up D'Lo at all. And he was sort of using Thompson's athleticism and speed like against him in a very like Steven Seagal, like, like judo way where it's just like, Oh, you're going to reach in. Well, I'm going to like, I'm going to, he was kind of under siege. I thought, okay, sorry. I'm going to try one. No, totally. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Mike. Perfect. He, sorry. It took me a moment, but yeah. Oh man. No, but if it took you a moment, then you can't boo. Oh, all right. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. D'Lo did all the veteran stuff, Mike. Like, he did all the tricky, like, I'm hooking your off arm, I'm swinging through, I'm drawing fouls on you, and Thompson seemed to start to get a little bit frustrated, and then, so now they're playing off D'Lo, and now he's just, like, walking into three-pointers or just sort of gliding and skipping into these little mid-range shots, like, oh, I'm ball faking and getting a layup, and it's just like, this looks easy. Yeah, this looks easy. And once it started to go that way against Detroit, Detroit looked like, uh, I guess 15 in a row it is. And we'll try to get them next game. And they basically I don't want to say they quit, but they clearly were just like, we're going to cardio the rest of this game out. Yeah, it was it was apparent that even their best efforts weren't going to going to cut it that night. And so I thought, you know, the way that D'Lo got on that track. And I I love how you laid that out there. And Mike's point about playing at his own pace, I think is super important. And it, I think, begs a larger discussion about D'Lo. He's not a guy we've talked about a ton on this pod uh, so far this year, D. And he's, he's one of those guys where like, seeing that level of him, obviously that's a a super exaggerated, we're not expecting a 13 for 17 type of night uh, on a regular basis. But when that is there, Mike had made a comment during uh, our offseason discussions about Vando, where he was like, oh, Vando's one of those guys where if his jumper's falling, you're not going to beat the Lakers. And I agree with that to some level. I, I actually think that's D'Lo, though, in, in that if D'Lo's got it going, the Lakers are very difficult to beat. And so I think reaching there is an interesting conversation. And uh, so I'd, let's take a break here. And when we come back, I'd love to have a larger discussion about D'Lo's season so far. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, Pete, I like the way you put that. Sometimes to me, if... If there is whoever the third guy is uh, on a team that has two stars that goes off, it's it's demoralizing in a different way to the opponent because they're scouting. That's not the first one of the first two things on their scouting report that they're trying to cut off. And, and therefore, it's like you have to give up a certain level from if, if it's D'Angelo Russell, um, if it's Torian Prince that happened to hit four threes or something in the first uh, quarter, if it were Jared Vanderbilt that were back. So I, I think that can be a rotating person, but it, they have to go off in a way that is demoralizing. And that, of course, is what happened against the Pistons. And I'm, I'm glad, though, that Darius expanded on the, the Russell part of it, even though, Pete, I want you to get back to Russell by saying that Anthony Davis blocking three shots in the first quarter and hitting three of six shots, but also five of six free throws. Like, I think that was the that was the other part of Detroit. It's on the defensive end where they were like, oh, well, shit, you know, like we're not going to be able to get in and do anything easy yeah. at the paint all night. So, and then also this dude's going to hit all six of his shots, um, you know, fr- uh, from the perimeter mostly. So I, I think those two things kind of combined in that instance. But the then what we have to ask ourselves now is, all right, well, yes, that's the Pistons. And if you combine the ages of Thompson and Ivy and Cunningham and Duran, um, even though Stewart's been in the league for a little bit, they're younger than OKC. They're younger um, than San Antonio, right? Who are the two youngest teams? I thought you were going to say LeBron. <laughs> well, you know what? Let me do the math real quick. I'm like, can we get two of those guys combined that are younger than LeBron? Almost. Not quite. <laughs> Almost. I know. Very close, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th- that I-, I think that that age element in, in LeBron, by the way, didn't have to do a ton, uh, especially in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. He came on later uh, and as he always does and is going to he's somehow going to get to 25 if he plays limited minutes. But, you know, first quarter, he took two shots. He had one assist and that was it, you know, because it, it was everything was being taken care of. And I think that Detroit was paying him a certain amount of amount of heat but pete why don't you get back to the russell point that you were trying to get on though um and and sort of him him being able to be when he's able to be at, at a certain level what it does for the team well i i just think it's it's a ch- game changer not only having that third guy regardless of position but having that from the guard spot i think is especially important one of the stories of this first part of the season d has been this kind of exploration of what austin can do as an on-ball point guard type and this is what Delo does, right? And so when he is playing at a pace where he's comfortable, he's really navigating the scenarios and sequences of every single play in ways where Austin is like at 
I don't want to say the bottom floor, but he's still learning. And there's just a level of mastery of the point guard position that D'Lo has that when he's feeling comfortable and, and again, at that pace that he wants to play at, it adds a dimension to this team that really nobody else can, including Austin. And so in these conversations, and we had an interesting combo over the text thread about how our first quarter struggles are not just some like LeBron is off the court type of thing. And that's it. It's also when AD is off the court and LeBron is on. And that's one of the things uh, before I kick it to you, D, a quick stat on D'Lo per NBA Wowie is that he's one of our best and he is our best guard in terms of playing alongside LeBron and AD. That trio has played 353 minutes together, a net rating of plus nine. But when LeBron is off the floor and it's just D'Lo and AD, that's a minus 9.3 in 127 minutes. And then when it's AD off the floor and it's LeBron and D'Lo, it's a minus 4.7 in 89 minutes. And so him as that third guy is when he's really thrived this year. Uh, and, and so I'm just curious where you, where you take that, D, because he's somebody that is that he's either worked very well or it's like, oh, these units are not able to really produce. Yeah, so D'Lo is an interesting case because when he plays... I don't want to say when he plays like he did against Detroit. The game against Detroit's an outlier game, right? But the thing about right. D'Lo is that he is full of outlier games in his own special way. So I had sent you guys a note a week ago about D'Lo, and I'm like, you know, there are players who average 17 points a game because one night they get you 19 and the other night they get you 15. And then there are guys who average 17 points a game because – one night they get you 21 and the next night they get you 13 or one night they get you 23 and the next night they get you 11 or it's 23, 23, and then it's 11 and then it's nine and then it's 25. And can I add a stat? It's a, a little, this is kind of a haterish type of stat. So forgive me, but it speaks to your point in that I, I was talking in the last pod about how we've played like four or five yes. unserious teams on serious games of which I would put Detroit into this. And so in those games, these are against non-play-in teams even, like the bottom of the bottom of, of the league. In those games, Delo's shooting 62% from three-point range. And in the serious games, quote unquote, it's 34 and so that averages out. He's a 42% three-point shooter right now, which if you told us before the season, D, like Dilo's going to shoot 42% from three, we'd be jumping up and down. That's great, right? But there, it, it speaks to that wild swing that he can have as a shooter. This is the nature of the third guy when you're actually not a guy. Lamar had games like this all the time in a different way. Yep. It's like, okay, well, we sort of depend on you to do this thing. And if you're a guy and you have a bad game, it's just like your team is likely going going to lose you are they are reliant on you for a certain thing when you're the third guy or the fourth guy and i would lump austin into part of this conversation too but i know we're talking about d'lo but this is true of austin as well is that when you're relied upon to produce at a certain level and you do you become that unbeatable team like when mike was talking about earlier well when d'lo plays a certain way i was thinking about dennis Last season, it's just like when Dennis had one of those nights where, oh, look at this, Dennis Schroeder, 18 points, seven assists. He hit 52% of his shots. He got to the foul line. The Lakers became an unbeatable team. It's just like all they need is that third guy. And this is the nature of why D'Lo is always p 
pinpointed and sort of held up as this tribute to the basketball gods when we're like, well, what's going to happen to this team? We need a better guy. Let's trash D'Lo now because D'Lo is that Lamar Odom guy. Lamar Odom Mm -hmm. suffered from this same exact thing during his time Mm -hmm. with the Lakers. He is, D'Lo is the most naturally talented next dude he was drafted number two overall in in his draft and deservedly so like even in hindsight people might say or at the time there was some conversation like maybe it should be Porzingis maybe it should be Jaleel Okafor maybe like there were all of these guys but like D'Lo's name was there for a reason he's made an all-star team he's been a very productive NBA player and he's super talented and his season, though, has been one of these ones where I actually think his baseline has been much higher than what he's been given cred credit for. But when he falls below that, it I is problematic to to the Lakers. But he hasn't actually been below it as much as he has one single digit game all year. He's been in double digits. No, no, no. I, like, I think that this is an important conversation to have about D'Lo in general, though. It's because I think that there are there's both the what we see him as versus what he is and there are the aesthetics around his game that cloud the vision of what he is as a player Dilo plays the same thing the same point that mike made and i'd love to hear both both of your thoughts about this the same point that mike made about Dilo playing at at his own pace can often seem as a casualness to his approach to like to basketball so Dilo had a rolling against the Pistons. He was rolling. And then he started to feel himself a little bit. He's making faces. Like, he's just like, ooh, that was nasty. Like, he hits a step back and he's just like, ooh, like, like I grossed myself out with yeah, how that sick step that back was, was, right? Yeah. Just <laughs> Christian stuff. Wood had a great reaction. And then that, a couple yeah. of possessions after that, he's throwing this post-entry pass and he threw like this like spinning left hand, like one hand, like I'm just going to sort of fling it out there. Almost like he's trying to bowl, like he's bowling, right? Yeah. He flicked it and the defender's yeah. like, what are you doing, bro? Like, and, and he just like poked it out, out of bounds. And, right. But there was like a certain, just like a uh, blase nature to the way that D'Lo plays some sometimes. And I think that can rub fans wrong. It makes it seem like he's not tried, right? And mm-hmm. then, so when you get into these high leverage games and it's like, oh, the pace and the feel and the tone of the game accelerates. And D'Lo is still just like, nope, doing my thing here, guys. Like, I think that that starts to detract from whatever success he has within that that environment. And his success does suffer because of this. Like, it's it's a point where it's like, okay, well, what is your ceiling if you have to rely on him to do these things? And so, like, but that's the thing is that when he's on his game, he is such a difference maker and his skill set is so important. His passing is so good. His shot making is like, oh my goodness, like these threes, we need these as, as a team. But that collective sense of like, how reliable are you at this? That's the, that's the thing that fluctuates a lot. And I don't think I'm alone in sort of viewing like, oh, I see the good, but the bad is sort of like needling you a little bit as well. Just the other part of this in talking about, I think this has been a lot of focus on offense and, you know, D'Lo isn't going to necessarily take his defensive game up. 
you know, a certain level. And that's not for lack of want or desire. I think that's an athleticism uh, situation. And it's the same with Austin Reeves. So where that's where the Lakers don't necessarily have that guard with Gabe Vincent injured, who can come in and really, you know, just let's say the shot's not falling a night, no big deal. Cause he's really going to get in the, get into it um, in terms of his body and the other guard, uh, whoever that he's on. So that to me sometimes like is, is why um, I've always in, in, Many people around the NBA have valued either the big wing like or the big over the guard who can if the, if it's not going great on offense that night, uh, they can give you a lot of other things in a lot of other ways. Um, and whether that's defensively or loose balls or just just intangibles using the fact that the rim is 10 feet t- high and, and that's sort of what basketball is about. So that to me, sometimes it's not just. Russell, but it can be Reeves um, in this context where if things aren't going well offensively, it's it's harder to pick it up in other ways. I think you're spot on with that. I do want to give D'Lo a little credit though, and that I think he's using his length better than he ever has. He had three block three shots blocks. last night, yeah, right? Yeah, Talking right in that big yeah. man line, and he's deflecting a lot of passes. And when you hear him talk about this, like he he often brings up like, I know what I'm not. Right. And I can't try to be something that I'm not. And that's not necessarily followed up by, okay, well, what are you then? But that he's got a six foot 10 inch wingspan. And on a, on a team that, again, we got Cam back, hopefully Vando back soon, hopefully Gabe a little bit after that, where the potential for deflections and Anthony Davis is at the top of the mountain of guys that can deflect anything, right? That if Dino can contribute in that way and has so far this season. And so I'm not expecting him to beat anybody in a foot race or anything like that, but deflect the ball here and there, Mike, I I thought Dino's done a very good job at that this year. You're right to give him credit for that because I think it's been better than last year. And I also want to, I was just thinking after what I said about Austin, Austin does do a good job, though, of finding other things to do, whether he'll crash the glass or he'll take a charge or he'll dive on the floor. So he he will if his offensive game isn't working, he'll try to find some other ways. And I think that some of those types of things aren't as mm-hmm. um, aren't as much a part of what Russell does. But you just spoke, Pete, uh, to what he's been doing much better this year. And that stuff does help. It's been great to see. So let's take a break. And when we come back, I would like to talk about one of those games where I think it is going to be a little more accelerated. Uh, Exciting matchup coming up against OKC tonight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So the basketball gods have a way of uh, putting you in the same challenge over and over again until you get past it. And so for I think the third week in a row, we are playing the second night of a back-to-back against a good team after beat the hell 
out of a bad team the night before. The first two times, that didn't go very well for us, D. It was Sacramento and Dallas. Now they're going to Oklahoma City, who's one of the good young teams in the NBA. They've taken a step forward this year, but while also building on what they've done before. Chet Holmgren has made his debut. He's one of the most exciting rookies in the NBA. Really like him, both his game and kind of his mentality. And so, uh, tough matchup against OKC tonight. Potential to go 3-1 and one on this road trip, D. Um, but but a very good OKC team. So what are you looking for tonight? Well, I mean, any conversation about OKC starts with Shea. He is one of the elite young players in the league. He is um, rocketed up the top players in the league lists. If you pull the national people, they will tell you that he is a top 10 player. Um, Shea finished fifth, I think, in the MVP voting last season. And so this is a carryover for him in terms of really establishing himself as one of the top offensive guys in the league. Um, Defensively, he is not an elite defensive player, but he does defend his position. He does try and he's got good size and good length. And um, he is huge deflection guy. He. Yeah, lots of steals. Lots yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. So offensively, he has become very much like, like almost like a Kawhi Leonard type of guy. Like he lives in the mid range, um, and he is difficult to stop. He's just a guy that gets to his spots. He shoots over the top. Um, I have compared him in the past to Alex English. Mike can get on his uh, back in the day. Darius is comparing this guy to this guy sort sort of dude, but you know, I was I was here's here's why I won't because I didn't even bother explaining under siege <laughs> to the younger audience that was like, why are you making who's Steven Seagal? Um, so I'm just going to be consistent in this one and let that one uh, just hang out there and, and people Pete, can. You remember it. Alex English, famer from the Denver Nuggets, absolutely great. Alex player, English great was a rangy small forward um, for the Denver Nuggets when the Denver Nuggets. Um, were one of the elite offensive teams and really fast-paced teams during the 1980s. They were a super fun team under a former head coach named Doug Bowe, and they scored a ton, a ton of points in the Mile High City. Alex English and um, Fat Lever are two of the names that are like erased within NBA history who were wonderful, who were wonderful, wonderful players. Kiki Vandeweghe yeah, was man, on those, those teams. Dennis yep. OG went back to the ABA days with yep. well, with Denver. These were fun times for for an NBA fan. But English was a really long forward, and he would just get into your body some and elevate and shoot over the top of you. And it was like, okay, well, there's really no stopping this. And he's getting 26, 27, 28 points a game on mid-range jumpers. Probably the name in the top 25 all time of scoring that people would expect the least. He's 24th all time in scoring. Here's a funny stat. If you look up who led who led a decade in scoring, I think Alex English might have led like he he, I think he might have led the 80s in total points during the 1980s. Yeah, it's like if you were to think of all the dudes that played. During the 1980s, Dominique Bird. I'm telling you, look this up. So, because I was looking way back in the day and I was just like, oh my goodness, could this be real? But I think he only played like 1980 to 1992 or something like that. So his career really was, uh, really was confined. 
to this stretch. And it's just like, and he scored 20 something thousand points. He was. Yep. He was. I just looked it up. He was the leading scorer of the 1980s. So just an yep. unreal stat. That's, That's true. So who was, who was second? Kareem? Well, I mean, because Kareem had the 70s, 2,399 points. But the, the one that I just looked up, of course, skipped uh, the 80s. It has Chip Wilt in the 60s, Kareem in the 70s, Malone in the 90s. Wait. Yeah. So oh, yeah, because Jordan missed the two years. Well, also, Jordan didn't and get drafted until 84. No, so he's I was not even for the 90s. I was oh, saying for the, the 90s. 90s yeah. That's why Jordan didn't get the 90s because of his baseball. Right. Yeah. All right. So here are the top five in the 80s. Alex English, number one. Moses Malone, number two. Another name that I think is a little lost to time who played fewer games than anybody else in this top five. Adrian Dantley, great scorer. Dantley, then yeah. Larry Bird, number four, and Kareem, number Adrian five. Adrian Dantley. Wow. Sorry. Little, little tangent here, but no, I, I love Adrian it. I love Dantley, former Laker, former yeah. Jazz, played for yep. a bunch that's of a teams. Great, played for that's a great team. stat. I, I don't know how Darius came upon came upon that and thinking out about Alex English. I love so, it. So anyways, back to Shea. Shea is just one of these unreal dudes that is very diff, like difficult to guard. A guy who, if a guy I wish the Lakers had tonight, is Jared Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt actually did a very good job defending Shea last season after the trade deadline where he's just like, because Shea has a certain physicality to him. So I'll be interested to see if Cam returns to the starting lineup this game. Um, mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, mm-hmm. how Max does against Shea, because it's it's almost certain that that's going to be the matchup. But Mike, Shea is this elite offensive talent. He is a hub. He is an engine of what OKC does. And they've got a ton of shooting around him. They play five out basketball with Chet picking and popping a fair amount, and they allow Shea to operate in all of these mid-range crevices that the defense allows because they space the floor, and then they hit you with a hammer with, um, oh, um, his name just jumped out of my head. Williams? Yes, with Jalen Williams, J-Dub, right? There's all the Jalen Williamses that, that they have there. And then Chet is just a high-motor like long lanky shooter who has no fear and they are one of the up and coming teams like they're fourth in the conference right now and they're five and five over their last 10 though and 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 so and the lakers are seven and three and like level of competition and this is that and the other but this is going to be a tough tough matchup and the lakers have not done well on the second night of back-to-backs in in these situations so where are you at with this mike well this is this is what i had talked earlier in the podcast about how you know, being on the road, you kind of like get a feel for games like this. And I, I first, the first thing that I thought of was this is the third straight week where the Lakers have had a middle week back to back where they have the rest disadvantage. Uh, so the way that the, the NBA terms this, um, they, they actually do it on, like I put it in my schedule article, but you can be fresh, um, you can be tired or you can be even. And, you know, fresh mm-hmm. is you didn't play the night before, but your opponent did. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, tired is the opposite. And then even as both teams come in, you know, having not played in the night before. And the Lakers have had a an advantage the last couple of years in terms of being fresh. This year, they have a, a, a disadvantage um, that's relatively significant. Um, I think it's, it's five more times this year where they are the tired team. And this is the third straight week where that has been the case, uh, where in, of course, the Lakers lost to Sacramento, having played an in-season tournament game the night before. Then they lost to Dallas the next week, having played an in-season tournament game the night before. Both of those teams were fresh. Same thing here. OKC did not play last night. We got in at, was it, I want to say it was 3 in the morning Eastern time uh, yesterday or last night. Mm -hmm. And so 2 o'clock local as as an hour came back. And that's 
that's about as late as you'll ever get on a back-to-back. Like going from Detroit to Oklahoma City is not super close for a road back-to-back. Usually your road back-to-back is going to be like Knicks and Nets or, you know, maybe Heat and Magic. It, that The NBA tries yeah, to do that. Maybe like Bucks. Where it's just like, oh, this is close. Exactly. Chicago, yes. Milwaukee. This was not close. And so so it's a, it's a two-plus-hour flight and then, you know, all of that stuff. So this is one of those – this is one of those ones where it's just very difficult not to give in as as a player to the like, we're tired, they're not, you know, it, all of those factors kind of play up. And so that's that's the first thing that that's forget all the X's and O's like that's that's a major advantage for OKC. Now, is LeBron going to play? Uh, we I think Darwin was asked and we knew that he wasn't he wasn't going to get into it because it was going to be more. We'll see how everybody feels tomorrow. But I did think that it was notable that LeBron started the fourth quarter against Detroit when that game was clearly out of hand. Uh, and, you know, that just made the spidey senses go up a little bit as to maybe this is one of those games where, and, and only for LeBron in year 21, like I, you know, you guys know that I am not a proponent of, of player resting or, or mm-hmm. taking time off. And, and in this case, you know, his shin still is, uh, is injured. So this could just be a, a case where it's not necessarily rest, but let's say that if LeBron doesn't play because the shin and, and the load that's been on it, I, I think that's possible, but we won't know that uh, until after this podcast comes out for sure. But Pete, I'm going to leave it to you to cover a couple of the X's and O's here going into this game. I just think that these are these are mental factors that the Lakers have to try and overcome um, in a loud arena against a team. Oh, can, can I add one more thing out of here? Please. Because Darius mentioned this. I think that OKC is really good. Uh, we talked about it. I had them up there in my – in terms of like regular season wins. I also don't think that they're as good um, as maybe is being discussed because like when other teams actually do take them seriously, for example, the in-season tournament, like they went one and three in the in-season tournament there, they still get the benefit of like cute story team. Now they're good. So if you, you view them as a cute story, young team, they're going to kick your ass, but right. they, they, they have real vulnerabilities. They're still young. They're real small inside. Like you can, you know, you can get them. Um, I think if you focus, but that might be harder because of all the previous factors that I mentioned on a night like this for the Lakers. For sure. Yeah. If it happens, I think Anthony Davis is going to be right at the center of the frame of that. Um, Going along with what you were saying, too, about kind of the conditions before the game, you guys asked uh, Darvin about like LeBron's comments in Philly. And his answer was really interesting to me in that one of the things that he talked about was that like LeBron – people pick up on LeBron's energy, right, and what he puts out there. And it wasn't necessarily like a refutation of what LeBron was saying – But if LeBron goes out there – and this is something that I see a lot in games that I want to see differently tonight. This is why I'm bringing this up is that if LeBron goes out there and is coasting a little bit – and this has been true on every version of this Lakers team that we've had. There are a lot of guys that take that as a signal of, all right, this is what we're doing tonight. And it's like, no, no, no. You're not not the guy that's in year 21. We need you, Mr. 25-year-old person, to bring it. Every single night, as opposed to following LeBron's lead, way easier said than done, right? Because he is the leader and he is somebody that will like what he puts out will really impact the rest of the team. And so my thought is that if he's going to sit, that's okay. We need, but we need to be able to keep the, we need to be able to keep the, um, 
our foot on the gas in a way that builds toward a longer term thing, even if that makes the idea of winning the game a lot less likely. And so like one last guy I wanted to bring up because we talked about him and about the G League group at the beginning of the Philly pod was Jalen hood Shafino, I thought had fantastic minutes in the fourth quarter. Yes, it's garbage time. But as Darwin said, no when you're at that position and those end of the, no such thing as garbage time. And he came out, not only did he score, but he's closing out. I think his defense is like way ahead of his offense in terms of his like translatability to the NBA but it was like there we go there it is right there and so even if this is that type of game whether LeBron plays or not it's building upon what you were before one last thing about the point about LeBron Pete is like that leadership is so crucial to to this team and it's one thing if you're just the team's best player and you are a certain way. It's another thing when you are like one of the faces of the league. You're on like Mount you're Rushmore of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that it's it's like exponentially more important totally. for LeBron to carry himself a certain way. And I've always appreciated that about him, that pregame, he is lively, he is energetic, he is joyful, yeah. he is fun. Austin has often said that like, LeBron's the oldest dude in the locker room, but he's like the youngest dude in terms of like the the energy and personality and like childlike nature that he brings to, so to, to, to have the that team. Enthusiasm, yes. And, and I just feel like that's a great balancing act for for the team. One X is in those point before we go. If you thought the Lakers were a bad rebounding team, Oklahoma City's like, hold my beer. They are the worst. They are like basically the worst rebounding team in the league. They are a super small front line. Chet is a battler inside. He's also probably weighs like as much as me, <laughs> which isn't great. And so it's just like the AD in the middle of the frame idea, Pete, and like his ability to sort of go in there and like kick ass and take names. AD is now played against... uh he took on a young front line in Cleveland with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. He then saw Joel Embiid. He then saw Jalen Duren, which is one of the darling sort of analytics like guys around the league in terms of athleticism and like, oh, this kid can play as like a young center. He did well in all of those those matchups. The Philly game, the whole team lost sure. lost the rope there, he but AD out started out. Yeah, yeah. He he came out real like like really well. So this is the last one of these. AD has a chance to dominate inside, both as a scorer and as a rebounder, particularly on the offensive glass. And so that's where if the Lakers are going to make a game of this within the context of setting the tone and the tenor of the game, that's where I think that it can happen. It can happen with Anthony Davis being this dominant guy in the paint on both sides of the floor. All right. Lakers at OKC tonight, wrapping up a four-game road trip. We'll be back tomorrow to discuss. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bad next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, stick so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. 
Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move, two, one, miss it! It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.